Oh, wow, wow. Page 56. There's no more, Mark. It's a record. <laughs> We're sharing. Got it all up here. Oh, yeah, here. <laughs> on the iPhone. Parshas Voiro is the second parsha in the book of Exodus. And it starts kind of in the middle of a conversation. The conversation starts and before, by the end of last week's parsha, we read about Moses complaining to God. Why was Moses complaining to God? No, because Pharaoh made things harder for the Jews. Pharaoh made things harder for the Jews. And Moses felt not only, he said to God basically, I didn't want to go, right? And not only I didn't make things better, I made things worse. He didn't want to go. That he says to God, on page 54, if you look in, we'll read it for a minute. Moshe returned to God and said, Moshe, Moshe returned to Hashem and said, My master, why have you brought harm to this people? Why did you send me? Ever since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done harm to this people. Okay, and, go ahead, go ahead, I'm sorry. And Finish. you have not rescued your people. And he tells to God, not only the, I, since I came to Pharaoh, things got worse. <clears throat> Moses was very upset about that, that he was the cause of the suffering of another Jew, of all people. You know, there is a prayer that we say every night before we go to sleep. Starts with the word, Areni Moichel, and I forgive to everyone that made me angry and hurt me. And I'm asking from God that nobody should be punished because of me. Nobody should be punished because of me. It means to say, even if this person deserves a punishment because of me, I don't want to be a cause for suffering for anybody. Usually people say, what's the wish? What goes on, comes on. We don't, Judaism doesn't believe in it. You don't want to be a new, a new book, a new resume, any, that you, anybody suffered because of you, even if he deserves it. You don't want to have any connection. <coughs> That's what they say every night before we go to sleep. We ask from God, we say, I forgive everyone, and I want to make sure nobody, nobody, gets, uh, nobody suffers because of me. Now, here, Moses felt not only he made things better, he made things worse. That he came to God and he complained. Here comes the answer. What God answered them? I, uh, Adonai said to Moshe, now you will see what I will do to Pharaoh. For by my strong hand he will let them go, and by a strong hand he will drive them out of his land. That first of all he tells them, don't worry, I will, Pharaoh will throw him out of, 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 of Egypt. That was great news for Moses. Because the Jewish people, if Pharaoh wouldn't chase them out of the country, he wouldn't leave. The Jews don't like to leave. They like, they like Egypt. Egypt is a civilized country. Leaving Egypt means going to the desert, going nowhere. Nobody wants to go nowhere. You don't want to be a slave, but you rather be a free man in Egypt than being a free man in the desert, eating manna. And then they didn't even know what they're going to eat. Then God told Moses, the Egyptians will eventually chase the Jews out of Egypt. Not only they will not be an obstacle for the Jews to leave Egypt, they will, put, they will help the Jews to, get, to leave Egypt. And that's what actually happened at the 10th plague, when, when, the, when, the, when the killing of firstborn, the, the Jews wanted to bake their mat, to bake, to bake bread. Why it became matzah? Because the Egyptians pushed them out of the country. 
Chase them out of the country. That's why we have matzah. That the matzah is a reminder of the of this miracle that the Egyptian that the, 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 the Pharaoh chased them out. That's the first part of the answer. Then starts on this week's parsha, page fifty-six, all monologue. That on on the face of it, you you think it's like, it's like a, almost like a blessing. Okay. Elohim spoke to Moshe and said to him, I am Adonai. I revealed myself to Avraham, to Yitzchak, and to Yaakov as Almighty Shaddai. But my name, Adonai, I did not make known to them. What does this mean? I revealed myself in the name uh, Shakai and the name uh, Hashem. I didn't reveal myself. God is kind of, as Rashi will say later, God is complaining about to Moses about Moses. <coughs> ah, where are the forefathers, the good guys? <laughs> Didn't question me. Who never complained, <laughs> who never questioned God. I gave Abraham our time and he didn't make a bull. Isaac got our time for me. Jacob, they always cleave to me. And you, Moshe Rabbeinu, you Moses, you right away, the first thing didn't go the way you want. <gasps> I'm leaving. He's throwing the, the, the get. He's throwing the, the divorce papers. What is this? God, is this, and what does this mean with the name of God? With the name, he says, to them I reveal myself on a much lower level. And they still never question me. What does this mean on a much lower level? They didn't see miracles. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob didn't see open miracles. Things worked out for them. If you want, you can see the miracle there. Yeah, I mean, uh, Isaac was born. It was the biggest miracle in the world. But under daily life, things were out. And as Rashi brings later, God told Abraham, the land belongs to you, right? The land that you walk, walk on, this is your land. This is our land. And what happened? He needed to bury Sarah. He had to buy a piece of property to bury Sarah. The land is you, is mine, and I have to be buy a, a gravesite for, for his own wife. The same thing with Isaac. He dig the wells, and they gave him a hard time. Jacob needed to buy another piece of land. The, the, the Shechem in Shechem, in Nablus, Jacob bought a piece of land. <coughs> Basically, what God told them it's going to happen, what actually happened in many cases, not always, but in many cases, was a contradiction. Then he says, they never questioned me. They never said why. They never said what's going on here. And you, Moses, the first time you're doing it, and some things don't go exactly the way you want, you're asking why. Then who was better, the forefathers, the patriarchs, or, or Moses? Who is better? What do you think? <laughs> it's, it's called the five books of Moses. It's hard to answer because it's a different relationship. It's sort of like one is um, is like uh, you know the, the, the servant. He, the, he's always around. He's very relation. He, has a, uh, he doesn't question. He just does. And the other one is uh, like a a, a, um, a high-ranking uh, minister. Like a prime minister. You want to say? I hear what you say. Uh, we always say the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We don't we say, say the God of Moses. We say God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Obviously, I don't know. I don't know. Moses no, didn't certain... make it to the prayer book. <laughs> no, in Yigdal, Moses is... Uh, I mean to say to the Amida. Ah. Yigdal, we don't say in Chabad, you know. All right, all right. It doesn't count. <laughs> but there is something nice about Moses. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> Why do you ask that question better? Then, who was better? Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? 
Who didn't question God? Moses. Moses. Oh, Moses, Moses. 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 This was the highest prophet. And they're one and the same because one's doing a different thing. I mean, uh, Moshe saves the Jewish people. He's the one that brings them out. He actually does action. He has more impact on the world uh, than anybody uh, else. Than anybody else. But on the other hand, and he, you know, these others, they, they didn't question. They were like uh, chariots. They just uh, they did what they had to do. Mm -hmm. um, Moses, Moses was a fighter. fighter. Moses was a fighter. Everybody likes it. He's coming, knocking on the table. <laughs> didn't Abraham ask God about Sodom and Gomorrah? Also yes. argued? Yes. Sure. Didn't he ask God, is the judge of the world will not make justice? That's what the word that Abraham used. Sure. That Abraham yeah. also asked God. Mm -hmm. what, that, what is he missing Abraham so badly? Moses, huh? Moses said, take me out of the book. Moses, Moses said Moses in the story of the golden calf. himself for everyone else. Exactly. He was yeah. taken out yeah. of the book. Then where is the difference? When can you question God and when can you not question God? What do you think? You can't question them for yourself, but you can question them for others, maybe. That's a nice thought. Mm -hmm. Where we see it, when God told Abraham to sacrifice his son, it wasn't a punishment. God wanted to test him. How much? What is he ready to do for God? If he would start crying, God, I don't want to. God said, okay, don't. But you're not, you're not going to be Abraham. You didn't pass the test. That's nice. It's like going to the army, you know, the, in the Israeli army at least, they, they, the last, if they want to reach the elite uh, units, they run, I think, a, a few hundred kilometers. It's like crazy. And many people give up on the road, on the, on the way. They didn't make it to the elite unit. It's not a punishment. The punishment is, to be, is to, not to make it to the elite unit. That's a test. It's not, then God gave, gave Abraham a test. And many tests. There is ten tests that Abraham had. He never questioned God. It was to see if you're ready to join the army of God. Can you be Abraham? Most, but when Abraham had came to about other people, when it came to a punishment, to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah was a punishment. To punish a people, even people of Sodom were horrible people who did the worst thing in the world. They, didn't, they never supported a poor man. In the laws in Sodom and Amorah, were that you're not allowed to give charity. If you caught giving charity, you'll be killed. And that's why it's a whole story in the marriage that the daughter of Lord was caught giving charity and they killed her. And God wants to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. I mean, a regular guy would tell God, God, you waited, why, why you waited so long? I mean, <laughs> get rid of them. Abraham defended the people of Sodom and Gomorrah. Who he defended? Defended he defend, good people. He didn't defend them. He defended the righteous. He wanted to save the whole city for the <coughs> sake of the righteous, right? He said it would be 50. God said 50. How about 40? How about 10? He couldn't find 10 righteous. He wanted for 10 righteous people to save a bunch of criminals. Not only bad people who, cannot, who don't help any, any, anybody, nobody else. Order. That's the law of the land. It's not like there is a few bad people who don't like to give charity. Nobody wants to. That's the law. You're not allowed to give charity. Abraham defended this kind of people. And he asked God and he argued. The same thing here is Moses. Who is Mo Moses is not asking God why I'm suffering, why I had to run away from Egypt. I tried to save the Jew and I killed the Egyptian. God, how do you do it to me? Now Moses wants to kill me. A Pharaoh wants to kill me and I had to run away from Egypt. He never stopped and asked this question. He was 60 years in Midian with Noah, in the middle of Noah with Jethro. And all his, uh, it's nice that he's married, but you know, he has no, 
<laughs> no friends, no family, no nothing. The whole Jewish people are in, are in Egypt and he's the only one in Midian. He never questioned it. Never questioned God about anything personal. That things didn't work out the way he wanted. Or so far, you don't even know what happened with Moses because it was never yeah, an, an, an issue. Did. At the end, he questioned pretty good. <laughs> what he questioned? He wanted because to enter he, the land of Israel. Yeah, he, he didn't question. He begged God to enter <laughs> the land of Israel. But here it comes to suffering of the Jewish people. Somebody else Moses comes, what's going on here? God liked it. Not only God wasn't upset, was upset with him. When somebody really defends the Jewish people, that's what God is get what God wants to see. We spoke not long about uh, about what's how Elijah the prophet lost his job because he complained about the Jewish people. He complained once, also at Mount Sinai. He was at Mount Sinai. Somehow he made it to Mount Sinai. He complained to us. God told him, gave him a second chance, sent him, what are you doing here, Elijah? He said the same thing again. God told him, go appoint Elisha to be the next prophet. And as Rashi puts it, I don't need your prophecy if you are saying bad things about the Jewish people. Then here, God wanted Moses, I mean, Ultimately, Moses did the right thing. He defended the Jewish people because he was working for, for others. He was defending others. You know, in life, usually the question is, God forbid that somebody goes to a, a loss or whatever it is, why me? By Moses, it was, why him? Not why me? I never heard anybody asking, why him? Why is he suffering? Why me? That's, that's the difference. It's why me or why am? And that's what Moses. Moses is always defending another person. Wait, I have to ask you a question when you're talking about uh, Elijah saying, you know, you talk bad about the Jewish people. Mm -hmm. They got in trouble. Mm -hmm. But then there, there, uh, Jeremiah, doesn't he speak bad or that's different bad? Jeremiah speaks to the people and he tells them that they are bad, but he doesn't turn to God and speaks bad about the people. There is another prophet, Isaiah. Isaiah said, when God started to give the Isaiah the prophecy, the first prophecy, it's here, but it's in Hebrew only, then there will be no point to point it out to you. <coughs> it's actually the Aftorah of Shmo... Uh, um, he, says, he says, when they asked him, God tells him, I want you to be the prophet. That he says, who am I? I'm among, I'm, I'm an impure person sitting among a nation with impure lips. He, he compared the Jewish people to impure people. That they have impure lips. Then God, right away in the prophecy, an angel wanted a call and burned his lips a little bit. And he says, how dare you speak bad about the Jewish people? And later there is a horrible story according to the message that happened to, to Isaiah. I don't even want to repeat it. It's all because he said that the Jewish people have impure lips. Then we see it, always God wants an, a leader, any one of us, to defend the other people, even when it's against God, so to speak. Another point you can see here, people say, oh, we, he has questions of God. Abraham questioned God, and what therefore? He went to worship idols, he left the religion, he left the shul. Moses questioned God, he left the shul, no. He asked why. There is every, every human being sees suffering, then it naturally comes out an outcry. Why is it happening? But then he stops and he thinks, 
what this is God. And who am I to understand God? Why, why even try to understand God? Why I, trying to understand God is a level of arrogant. I want to understand God. How can I, are you, are a mortal, understand God? Then asking questions is not only not a contradiction to, to belief, that's what leads to a deeper belief. Then asking questions that comes from the heart and it's a normal reaction. If somebody comes and sees suffering and he says, oh, if God did that, obviously it must be like this. That's a person who is heartless, is, is, is cool. You don't care that people suffer. Then it's a very natural reaction to scream why. But after when you think about it and you understand who you're asking and who is doing this, and it's God, then you say, then I have to accept it. And that's what you learn by the biggest two believers, Abraham and Moses, ask questions. The Rebbe wrote it to Eli Wiesel. Eli Wiesel used to come to the Rebbe, and he had, he had a lot of uh, questions and issues with God, with the Holocaust. He didn't want to get married, and so on. Then the Rebbe writes him in a letter, this point, that the biggest believers ask questions and only led them to even a deeper belief. They didn't, not because I don't understand something, I throw, the, I throw the whole thing out. So, I don't understand. God never made a contact with me to understand. If, I, if it makes sense, if I understand, beautiful, very nice. And that's why how we have to uh, educate our children. First of all, we do it because God said so. If you can understand why, beautiful. If you can't, we can't. That's the first speech. Okay, now we're going to Before we go on, uh, go ahead, a question about the, the two names for God here. Uh, El Shaddai, or Shaddai as the case mm -hmm. may be, mm -hmm. is, is usually translated as the God of sufficiency. It's enough. God of enough. It stops. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, it stops, so he hasn't delivered on his promises yet, I guess is, is kind of the implication. No, it means to say that he doesn't necessarily make miracles. He's, he, 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 he holds back. Basically, that's what the Shindalud Yud means, yeah. In Adonai, or the Yud, yud He Vav He, the Yud He Vav He, that's the name of, that, that the represents of miracles, that represents above, above nature. Isn't that, it's the, the more personal name of God, too. I mean, we could, we could use right. other names like Elohim. You're right, you're right. Elohim is in, is in nature, <laughs> and Yud He Vav He is above nature, yes. What does that tell us, though, when God uses these two particular names? That he says to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, I did not make miracles. To you, Moses, I'm making miracles. And you still complain. That's what he says. It says, here he tells them, I am Hashem in the name of Yudei Vavei, right? And he says to the forefathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, I didn't give him this name. I didn't reveal myself to them on this level. And they still had faith. And you, why do I complain? Well, there were miracles just on a different level. They weren't the overt... Well, obviously, Isaac was born, was a big miracle, but was not on the level of Moses. Put your hand on, comes out, it's a, it's a leprosy. To take your stick, throw it, uh, your staff, throw it on the floor, it turns into a snake. It was a whole different story. We never heard of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, this kind of level of business. What about Abraham going into the, the fire and surviving? That's written in the Medrash, it's not in the text. Abraham jumped into the fire, and he didn't know if he'll survive or not. And it was, Hashem helped and made a miracle. But these open miracles that God tells Moses, do this and this will do on. This will. Moses was like an open checkbook. Whatever he wanted was taking place. Never before. That's why the story of the Exodus is the story of the Jewish people. By the Exodus, God established his credibility. 
is a credit as, 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 as the one who runs the world, one who runs the show. I mentioned it a few times that that's why God, when in the Ten Commandments, God says, I am your God, that took you out from Egypt, right? Mm -hmm. That was like his resume. Mm -hmm. Who am I? I'm God. Here, I'm uh, the head of the company. If I would be God, I would say, I'm God. Who created the world, right? What is, what is taking out uh, uh, Jews from Egypt compared to creating the world? Not even... It's this. Why God introduced himself as taking the Jews out of Egypt and not on his big resume that he created the world and made everything? Because creating the world, many people believe that God created the world, but left. Running the show, taking the Jews out of Egypt, means that God is doing everything. That everything that happens in my life now, this minute, is controlled by God, is made by God. And that's much, much harder for people to believe. And that's what the, the whole story of Exodus proved to people. Everything is by God. Everything is happening. There is God's direct connection to people. And, and Moses had an open, open checkbook. He can do whatever he wants. You need this. He complained on this. Another complaint. We'll do this. We'll do this. We'll do the water into whatever you want. Just go. Okay. Yeah, not to get too deep, but yeah. why, why was God kind of absent for a several hundred year period of time, you might say? Ah, why God was absent? I mean, okay. I mean, you want to know? I should give you answers for everything that I don't know. But I'll tell you. <laughs> um, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, we mentioned before that we say in the prayers, God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob. Why? Why not God of Moses? It's a real question. One of the explanations is Abraham looked for God, searched for God from the age of three until the age of 48. And later, all his life was one long journey to get closer to God. He was ready to sacrifice his son for the sake of God. That he acquired God, he invested in it. It was God of Abraham. Abraham walked so hard to get closer to God. Isaac, the same thing. Jacob went through so much suffering throughout his life. It was the God of Abraham. Moses, to a point, God was looking for him, right? God came to Moses and said, Moses, do you want the job? He said, no, no, I really don't want it. I'm too busy now. And finally, he did God a favor that he's doing it. That Moses... You cannot say Moses was looking for God. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were looking for God, were searching for God. The, the real, if God reveals himself, look what happened here. God revealed himself to the Jewish people in Egypt. They made miracles, and everybody tells me, every time, everywhere we learn this story, I wish today would be miracles, and to be this, and it would be, would be the ten plagues, and Mount Sinai. <laughs> and what happened 40 days after Mount Sinai? Golden calf. Then obviously... If God comes to you, to the Jewish people, and makes miracles, it's not your God. That the ultimate is when you search for God, the more you search for God, the more you invest it, the more it's yours. Which mitzvah is more dear to you? A mitzvah that you had a hard time to do it. I, remember, I mean, somebody told me a story that once he was in, in Spain for Purim, and he drove himself crazy for an hour until he found the synagogue through the Megillah. Since then, every year Purim, he has a certain sweetness, flavor to this holiday, to hearing the Megillah. Every year when he reads the Megillah, he listens to the Megillah, he remembers the story that how much he put effort into reading the Megillah. The more you invest in your Judaism, the more is your Judaism worthwhile. 
that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that was the real journey. Here, the Jews were in Egypt. They were in trouble. We had to save them. There was no other choice. You had to get them out of Egypt. It's written that if God would wait another minute, they would be lost. What do you mean they would be lost? They would be assimilated. They actually went so, they were so assimilated, they almost, we almost lose, lost them. That God had to pull them out of Egypt. But the real thing is not when you do things because God makes miracles. The real thing is when you do it on your own. That's why Jews today, without miracles, 3,300 years after Mount Sinai, still do mitzvahs without prophets. There is no prophets, official prophets from 2,000 years. More, 2,500 years without the Talmudic rabbis. And we still are observant and we find our way to God. That's a real accomplishment. And somebody makes you 10 miracles and you say, oh God, oh yeah, yeah that's <laughs> You have a choice. You have to admit that there is a God. Almost the Jews in Egypt almost did not have free choice. It's written at Mount Sinai. It was written that God forced the Jews to receive the Torah. What means he forced them? He bought police. It was such a revelation of God that you couldn't say no. You see God in front of your eyes. You want the Torah. What are you saying? Going to say no? Standing in front of a very great man, he asks you, you want to do it for me, this favor? Are you going to tell him no? You can't. That's what happened at, at, at Mount Sinai. That was not a true free choice. It's written when it was a true free choice. And Purim, the whole year there, that the Jews in, in Persia had a choice to convert to the Persian religion and save their lives or to stay Jewish and be annihilated. They didn't know what, how these things will play out. And nobody, nobody converted to the other religion. Then the Talmud points out, then was the time that they make the choice. It was a true choice. There was no miracles, no God, no God, no open miracles. The name of God is not mentioned in the Megillah. That was, that, that was, that's your accomplishment. Then you want to have Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Normally, God doesn't reveal himself. Normally, God, what the word Olam in Hebrew, Olam in Hebrew means Elem. Elem means cover up. You look at the world, you don't see God. Our job is to find God in life. Look a little deeper, you see how this works out for you, and this happens, and this, and you see the end of God. Normally, you don't see God. You see bad people controlling the world, and anybody who is worse is more successful. Then you, you don't, that's, that's the whole system is like this. What happened by Moses is an unusual thing. It's God like sticking, uh, interrupting the, 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 the show, Changing the story, change, changing the regular nature, and proving that is God. That from time to time, God makes miracles like this. Throughout Jewish history, the Antebi, um, when it was the, when they rescued the exactly, then the Rebbe said that that's one of the miracles God shows from time to time that He runs the world. Persian Gulf War, the the whole world was fighting for Israel. Saudi Arabia was fighting Iraq because they are throwing bombs on Israel. That's a messianic concept. And the Jews didn't have to fight one, one bullet, didn't have to shoot. That, that, the, these are things that happen from time to time in the, world, in the world, and also in a person's private life, he sees from time to time miracles that God shows him, I'm running the show. But in the regular natural situation, it's your job to find God. That's why they, that, that the forefathers did not have miracles is not, is not a surprise. The surprise is that Moses got miracles. Page 57. <laughs> Did you get your question answered? Um, in part. <laughs>
In life, it's always like this. It's like this for Moses, too. God didn't answer him. You know, um, some, I just saw an interview. One of the Rebbe's secretary said that you can, you can always you can make the Rebbe happy. You cannot satisfy him. Really, it's every Jew like this. You can make him happy, satisfy every answer. The whole idea, it's, it's the journey. It's the, a spiritual quest you cannot satisfy. You always want more and more and more. That's what I told You eat a lot of chocolate, finally you get, you get sick of it. You throw up. Anything physically that you do a lot, eventually you get sick of it. Spirituality, you can never, get, you can never have enough because it's, it's unlimited. God is unlimited. Anything connected to God is unlimited. That you're always left with a taste for... Yeah, I got an answer about what's the manna? Why did Jews complain about the manna? Give them food, they're complaining. Because manna was spiritual food. It came from heaven. You eat the manna, you're left hungry. It's like after ice cream, you want a little more. <laughs> but then that was because it was a spiritual thing. Is that about Chinese food then? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not such a maven at Chinese food. <laughs> okay. I also. What line are we 57, number four. four. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land of their sojourning, where they lived as strangers. I have also heard the groaning of the Bnei Yisrael, whom the Egyptians enslaved, and I remembered my covenant. I remembered my covenant. I mentioned it a few times. Every time when God says, it's written that God remembered, it means he did something about it. And God remembered Sarah, and he gave her a child. God remembered the Jewish people, and he took them out from Egypt. God remembered, I think, Rachel, it's written in the same language, and he, and he, and he took him and he gave her a child. Remembering is a call for action. That's what God is, is says. That's what's written here too. Why, why does the text not indicate what all the Midrashim indicate about the reasons for God intervening at this point in time? What does the Midrashim say? What do well, you, what do you it, they fell onto the 49th level and they need to be saved. They're about to be assimilated. Why, why does the text never give us a good explanation? I mean, it's written before. God says, I heard, I heard, the, the, I heard the outcry of the Jewish people. And they took him out, and I, and I want to take him out of Egypt. Why now and not anything before or after? Yeah, they, they've already been 80 years, uh, you know, enslaved, and I'm sure they've been <coughs> crying out at some point before that. They were crying out before that. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, ultimately, it's a miracle that God decided to take him out of Egypt now, because God told Abraham that he'll be in Egypt for 400 years, right? Mm-hmm. Your children will be 400 years in a foreign land. Then, when the Jews actually left Egypt, it's even written more than 400. What's written? The number? 430. 430. Where is written 430? Um, in the middle of Parshat Bo, right? Um, where is it? Page 140. Number 40. You want to read? The habitation of the Bnei Yisrael living in Egypt lasted 430 years. Okay, you see the long Rashi? It's trying to make, to make sense of what's going on here. How long were the Jews in Egypt? 210. 210. How is it 430? That after all the calculations, from the day God told Abraham that his children are going to suffer for 400 years, past 430 years. From the birth of Isaac until they left Egypt for, uh, uh, past 400 years. 
What I mean to say is, this is God decided to take the Jews out of Egypt after 210 and make the calculation the way he wants it. That was a miracle. That was not a normal thing. It was a kindness of God. That's why we say that God of Pesach, we bless God that he calculated the redemption from Egypt. What is calculated? So that used that statistics can take, you can prove anything with statistics. Yeah. Then, <laughs> then he calculated on his calculation. It means to say he started to count 400 years from the day that, from the day Isaac was born. If he would go by the book, 400 years in Egypt. Before that, there's nothing to talk about. He got credit for the other years. He got credit for the other years. Exactly. That teaches us another lesson. Never keep an account with God. God, I did one, you did one, I did two. You owe me one. Sometimes people tell me, I did so much of God, I can't believe it. <laughs> what am I to tell <laughs> you better off not keeping a calculation with God. Because it's always, God is always on the right side. That's the problem that is always right. Then you, why, why we talked about Moses, he was asking to, to enter the land of Israel. He begged God. Uh, Jacob prayed to God he should help him. He never said to God, God, you promised me. God, you owe me. Because it's always better. Leave the calculation for God. He will always be kinder for you if you leave it for him. And that's what happened here. Then, really, there is no good explanation why now. Then the Talmud comes and the Medrash and says they were almost, obviously, why God decided to take them out of Egypt? Because it would be too late. Yeah. It would be late. It would be too late. In the text, do we need an explanation to take somebody out from suffering? The explanation is why they <coughs> suffered until now. Why are they taking them out from suffering? Okay, we are in page 58. So they started from when Isaac was born, right? From yeah, Isaac was born. 400 from Isaac was born. 430 from the day God told it to Abraham that his children are going to be slaves. Okay. And that's why we need the Talmud and the commentaries to explain us the Bible. If a person reads the Bible by itself, he doesn't even know what's going on here. Mm -hmm. One is placed at 400, one is 430. When you start to make the calculation, it's only 210. Mm -hmm. that's, that's, you cannot just learn just the text. Yeah, I think we are on page 58, number 6. Yes. Therefore. Why not? Therefore, say to the Bnei Yisrael, I am Adonai. I will bring you out from under the burdens of Egypt, and I will save you from their slavery. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with acts of great judgments. I will take you to myself as a people, and I will be to you Elohim. You will know that I am Adonai, your God, who is bringing you out from under the burdens of Egypt. Okay, what is he saying here? He says there are four expressions of redemption, as the Talmud puts it. <coughs> I will bring you out of from the from Egypt, I will save you, I will redeem you, and I will take you to, to, uh, my, to myself as a people. What are the four expressions of redemption? Where are they represented? Four cups. Four cups of wine. Four cups of wine are because of the four expressions of redemption. No, if you're such big hochems, <laughs> why, why wine? You can eat four matzes. I'd rather drink the wine. Than <laughs> 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 it's a Makes the service go faster. Because it's connected to with Yosef being freed, the, the, uh, the wine steward. It's written there in, the, in Jerusalem Talmud. Then the way how Yosef came out from from how he became second to the king because of the butler. 
And in the story of the bottler, in the Bible, it's written there four times, talks about the cup, giving the cup in the end of Pharaoh. Four cups. That's why it's four expressions, but why we use cups of wine? Because it's talking about four cups of wine. Four times a cup of wine mentioned them. That's why it's, a four, it's, it's using wine. And that's the connection. But here we have four expressions of redemptions, and that's why God... And then in number eight, he says something more. Um, Mr. Roger, Dr. Roger, do you want to continue? Number I will, eight. I will bring you to, to the land regarding which I raised my hand, you know, that I have, that I would give it to Abraham, Yitzhak, Yaakov, and I will give it to you as an inheritance. I am Adonai. Okay, here, Moses didn't bring them to the land. Joshua bought them. But it's the, f the fifth expression. Shouldn't we have five cups of wine? Huh? Elijah's cup. According to some people say that it's Elijah's cup because ultimately we did not make it to the land of Israel. Moshiach will come, we'll make it for there forever. The, the Israel that we have now, we are in Israel, but we don't have the holy temple. We are still in exile. Even when we pray by the Kotel, we say in the Amidah from the holiday, we say, because of our sins, we were exiled from our land. You sit in Jerusalem, you stand in Jerusalem in the Amidah, and you say we are exiled from our, from our land. Why? Because being in Israel, not having the temple, we are still in exile. It's much better than not having Israel, but we are still in exile. Then, this is the fifth cup, if you want, and this will be when Moshiach will come, then this will be fulfilled. That God gives Moses a whole promising thing. It's going to be, I'll take you out, I'll redeem you, I'll save you. It's going to be amazing. I'll bring you to the land. Number nine. Moses, Moshe spoke these words to B'nai Israel, but they would not listen to Moshe because of their distress and hard labor. So he comes with a, with a whole nice language, story, poetry, we're going to save you. But people are suffering every day. They cannot produce enough bricks. They, so, they have sores from the being beaten up by the Egyptian. Nobody was listening. Kotzeruach. What means uh, short breathness? What does this mean? Um, oh, it translates because of their distress. Kotzeruach literally means a short of uh, a person who is, is a. Spirit. Is, is, yeah, he cannot, cannot catch his breath. <laughs> but it also means Kotzeruach, uh, you cannot see behind your nose. You cannot see a little further. Comes a leader, tells you, thing, you're so busy with the little things that you cannot even see anything big above it. You have to stop and say, it's true, it's bad now, but let's, let's think, let's dream a little higher. It's very hard to dream big when things are very not comfortable. But that was the problem with the Jewish people. They, their spirituality was short, not just their... Ruach means breath, could be a physical thing, and Ruach could be a spiritual thing. Ruchniut means spirituality. They were short on the spirituality too, is, not just on the physical. Isn't thing. the Hebrew word for wind ruach? Yeah, that wind can be ruach, mm -hmm. and spirituality can be ruach, exactly. Because mm -hmm. it's like a wind, it's like it's, you cannot touch it. Then they were not only short on the physical thing. Page 60, we're going to continue here. Yeah? Fine. Adonai spoke to Moshe saying, Come, speak to Pharaoh, king of Egypt, that he send B'nai Israel out of his land. Moshe spoke before Adonai, saying, Behold, B'nai Israel have not listened to me. And how then will Pharaoh listen to me? 
I whose lips are covered. He says, if the Jews don't believe me, if the Jews don't listen, I would, I would fail listen to me. Moses again tried to, if you want to get out of it. Okay. I, I didn't know he then spoke to Moshe and Aaron, commanding them regarding the Bnei Israel and Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to bring out the Bnei Israel from the land of Egypt. Again, God told them, that's your job. You go and you take the Jews out of Egypt. And you cannot get out of this, of this business. Can I ask a question? Yeah. Going back to the phrase that was used, a covering of his lips. I know he stutters, he's got a speech impediment, but he's saying that, that you know, that, that, that he, it sounds almost like he, needed, like a certain, he needs a circumcision of his lips. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like I mean, maybe, maybe his tongue was uh, tied too much. I don't know what it was. It was something I mean, that... But, but it sounds like a blend. I mean... People that stutter, I'm not trying to, but on a spiritual level, he's implying that he, that he lacks the ability that, to speak. That, to you know, it's written that when Moses speaking, he was speaking the words of God, he was speaking clearly. Right. When he was speaking regular words, it was, it was out for him to talk. <laughs> That's to show us it's not about how, how, much, how good you speak. It's, it's, it's a deeper thing than this. But maybe covered up, yeah. It's a, the Rashi gives a whole uh, speech here about, uh, it sounds like, a, like, like almost like a... Yeah, like a foreskin, yeah. something in top of the of the tongue that doesn't let you. You have to you have to, it's covered up. It doesn't let it go, so to speak. But what exactly? How he spoke? No, I was just thinking about it. From I didn't hear him. That he needs a circumcision. That I mean, he sees the toe. You know, look. Was born, uh, Moses was only Mo Moses spoke said it about him. God never said it's a problem. His speech. He, God never said that his speak his speaking is a problem. Moses say constantly refer to it, I have a problem with not speaking, I have a problem with speaking. God didn't say a problem. Then when God told him, God told him, oh, you have a problem, that will give you Aaron. Moses basically initiated the whole business that Aaron should be a speaker. God appointed Moses, one leader. Moses says, I want Aaron next to me. One, a part of the reason because Aaron was his older brother, he was 83 years old. Moses was 80, and Aaron was 83, as you're going to learn. And... Aaron was the leader by the Jewish people in Egypt for the old 80 years. Moses ran away, right? Moses was first a prince in Egypt. Moses' parents, Amram and Yochevet, Amram was the leader of the Jewish people. Then comes, after Amram, who was the next leader? The oldest son, Aaron. Aaron was with the Jews for, for all this time of the suffering. Aaron was there, loving them, caring for them, supporting them. Moses had a big problem. He says, I come up and I push away Aaron. He didn't like it. God told them, Aaron will love it, don't worry, Aaron will be happy for you. And eventually it ended up to be like a leadership of two. Moses speaks to God, Aaron speaks to Pharaoh, and Aaron speaks to the people too. And th th that's how they work together. But Moses really initiated it, because he didn't want to push away Aaron. Quick question going back to the comparison between the, the patriarchs and Moses. Every time God calls on the patriarchs, you hear Hineni. Basically, here I am, ready, willing, and able for all intents and purposes. And now Moses is backing, you know, every, every chance he gets, you know, six chances, whatever it is, can't do it, won't do it, not equipped to do it. He did say um, he ain't burning bush, didn't he? I yeah. think he said he ain't but the burning bush. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah I think yeah, he's he right, no, yes. He didn't know what was going on then. No. <laughs> no, God calls him Moses, <laughs> Moses, he ain't He does yeah. say that, yeah. No, he says he ain't yes. Absolutely. Well, he called by name, right? <laughs>
Yeah, yeah, right here on page 23, number 4. He says, Inaini, Vayemar Moshe Moshe, and he said, Moshe 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 said, Here I am. Well, it's interesting, he, he, he's no longer saying that, at least at this point. Ah, oh, when it's about a job like this, that's a whole different story. Be the leader of the Jewish people. You see, it's written with a leader, as a leader of the Jewish people. No matter what you do, it's your fault. And you're not allowed to, you're not allowed to insult any Jew or, any, or not even put him down because they're the children of the princess, they're the children of God. That whatever you do, you have to respect them <coughs> most and treat them and treat them like the children of God. And if and if it's something there is a fault of something, who you blame? As the Torah says, blames the leaders. The Torah, God blames the leader. Then being a leader of the Jewish people is not such a hot uh, job. Not everybody. I mean, it's not surprised that Moses didn't want the job. But more that the, the more he said no, I would say, the more he negotiated, the more he got from God out that he will take care of the Jewish people. Who can say, how do you make it worse? Because I went. And you beg them, then he can complain. He can, that Moses utilized his buying power, his power of refusing for the sake of the Jewish people, never for himself. So every time he refuses, he gets a better deal from God for the people? Absolutely, always. Mm -hmm. Says in it by the golden calf, God tells them we'll start from your own nation. Moses gives ultimatums. Who can give ultimatums? You beg them, you can't make an ultimatum. But he utilize it only for the Jewish people, never for himself. Nothing. Now we come to something different. Satisfied? <laughs> <laughs> Happy, not satisfied. <laughs> now, in the middle of the whole story comes a new section. A section of genealogy. Iches. Who is Moses? Suddenly the Torah remembered to tell us who Moses is. We're talking about Moses forever. But before, how we know Moses was born? Who was Moses born? What's written in the Bible? In the Bible is written a strange thing. You, you read right at the beginning, the beginning of the, I think the second chapter. Yeah, the beginning of the second chapter, on page 10, the Torah starts a very strange way. Number 10, page 10, number 1. I was ready for the other page. <laughs> no problem. Page 10, number 1. <clears throat> a man of the house of Levi? Levi went and married the daughter of Levi. Really? A man of the house of Levi? They don't have names. Then, then the woman conceived, continue. The woman conceived and bore a son. She saw that he was exceptionally good, and she kept him hidden for three months. No name for the son. Then you turn the page, go to number four, 12, number four uh, page 12, number four. The, the child's child sister stood herself. The child's sister, no name for the child's sister. Nameless, the whole story is nameless. The first time we know that Moses says, who gave him the name? By the way, you turn to page 14. But uh, the daughter of Pharaoh gave him the name. Not, 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 we don't, not, the, not the son of Levi and the daughter of Levi did not give a name to the baby Levi. No name. That he has a name. Who gave him the name? Pharaoh's daughter. The first time we learned that he has a brother is in the middle of the conversation with God. God told him, Aaron will go to come to, visit, to meet you. Aaron, your brother will come and be happy. On page uh, 38. It's... Huh? Yeah. <laughs> Is not Aaron the Levite your brother? 
<laughs> we know that he has a brother, fine. Now, after he goes to Pharaoh and he goes to the Jewish people and Pharaoh gives them no and yes and he comes and he goes and it's a whole conversation, complaints. Suddenly the Torah in the middle of, in the middle of nowhere, really this chapter belongs at the beginning. Before, why just don't say, it was a man from the house of Levi with the name Amram, who is the son of Chaos, who is the son of Levi, and he's, he had a wife, Yochevet, the daughter of Levi. Am, Amram, Moses' father, married his aunt, Yochevet. And that was how Moses was born. The Torah doesn't speak any, no names. Suddenly the Torah now reminds, remembers to tell us, oh, you know, who is this, who is this Moses? He's not a nobody from Noland that they found him in the water. He's from a, from a very important family. Why was the Torah waiting until now? So any person, any child born can become anybody, anything they want to become. That's an interesting point. That's an American story. Everybody give it the president as long as you're born in America. He's a Rockefeller. <laughs> but he, it's, it's not saying he came from any lineage or any, or any fancy place. He was just a child. Yeah, the story is focused on Moshe. You don't get confused by all the, the genealogy. Who he's from. It's just simply a, a little boy that but, was born. But, it, but, it, but it's not just Levi. It's Ruth and Shimon Levi. Because they wanted to get to them. So what's the real reason? But why? But why? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. It's a good no, reason. No, no, no. no, no. I, I don't know. But it doesn't. It doesn't have the other <coughs> sons. Because of, the, the, sons the moment he came to Levi, he stopped and he continued to talk about Levi's children. But but what but what what um, Ruvain, Shimon, and Levi have in common is they were rebuked by by Yitzhak. That's what Rashi says. Yes. According to Sam Medroshim, I remember to say that Reuben, Shimon, and Levi, all three tribes were not really working too hard in Egypt. They had, they had more of a free, they got it easier. Not only Levi, but also Reuben and Shimon. But why is this written only, and if it's all about nobody who can reach to greatness, who cares who Moses is, why we suddenly make from it a big deal about it? it it's almost like it, <clears throat> it was predestined where... Moses killed the Egyptian and left Egypt. Uh, obviously, his family knew who he was. Everybody knew who was. And uh, they, I guess they were in touch through the years, maybe with the Pony Express or something. <laughs> and he knew what was going on in, in the I think he knew what's going on in Egypt. I knew he, he knew that he was Jewish. You know, that was not a secret. She, when she finds the baby, the daughter of Pharaoh, she says, right away, it's a Jewish baby. And she right. brought, the, brought the mother and the sister. Then secrets like this don't hold on for, for long. He was raised with two educations. His mother raised him with the Jewish education. You're right. And the Pharaoh's and daughter Pharaoh's also. Pharaoh's daughter raised him with an Egyptian education. Um, so, yeah, you're right. Could be. Yeah, he was for sure raised differently than the rest of them. Right. He raised in the he was raised in the palace. I mean, it was not he was not a guy from the shul. He was a guy from the palace. He knew what cracks. When he came to Pharaoh and told them, "Let my people go," he wasn't a stranger who does not from anything. He was one of them who comes to speak to them. But I really don't know. I mean, there is many explanations why here. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but at least you have to know that there's something strange here. You want to read page 63? <coughs> Maybe the Torah wants to teach us if God sends a Moses, it doesn't really make a difference who is. 
You have to listen to him because God said so. God, Moses shows up on Moses. Doesn't make a difference who he is. He speaks in the name of God. That's good enough. Oh, who is Moses? Who is his grandmother? Who cares? God sent him. That's what you have to do. After the Jewish people accepted them and the machine is working, then God comes by the way and he says, you know, by the way, Moses is not a nobody from no land. He is from the genealogy. He's right there. He's from the right family. It's the right continuation. But that I'll tell you when I want, not when you want. What's the lesson here? The lesson is, God tells you something to do, do it. Maybe it will be 200 years later you'll discover that he was right. And then he said, say, well, God, if I would know 200 years ago that that's the reason he would do it, then you lose the point. The whole idea is to do it, to do the mitzvah because God said so. And to know doesn't make a difference if there is a reason or not. And whenever God is in the mood, he will tell you why the reason is. Well, how do you, how do you avoid falling for a false prophet? If there's no lineage or if there's anything that you can speak of. That's a good question. Maimonides, in one of the other books, <laughs> says, speaks about prophecy. How we know if a prophet is a true prophet or not. It tells you, it tells you to go against God. First of all, it tells you to go against... The Torah says it. The Torah in Deuteronomy says, even if a prophet comes and makes miracles, big miracles, turns the water into blood, and he tells you to go against God, to worship idols. Well, no, but, but let's say he doesn't tell you to worship idols. Right. Just a regular guy. Then you see, first of all, you have to see if, he, if this guy is very dedicated to the Torah. He's following God's law completely, number one. Number two, it's interesting. I remember my grandfather told me a story. He passed away years ago, but he told me the story before, many years before, when I was a child. It was once a false prophet, Shabtai Tzvi. He lived 350 years ago, four, I don't remember, something like this, maybe a little more. When it was Shabtai Tzvi? 16-something. And how many years is it? Pretty close. 400. Again. Then my grandfather comes from a lineage of rabbis, all the way to the Shach. Shach was Shabtai Cohen was his name. He wrote a commentary to the, to the Code of Jewish Law. He, it, his mother came from this lineage, not his father, because he's from his mother's side. I mean, he, he wasn't a Cohen, my grandfather, but he comes from this... That he said that he had a, there was a tradition, a story in the family, that the Shach, who was living at that time, sent a messenger, two messengers, to check him out, to see if he's real or not. Everybody talks about the Moshiach and this. He says, just go, see how he behaves, and come back. They came, they went, came back, he says, said, he started to tell him, tell me from the beginning, you came, what he did? He says he was sleeping. In the afternoon, taking a nap. You are waiting, then he got up, and he... And he started to talk to us. That he asked him that he washed his hand after he got up. You wash it when you sleep more than 20 minutes. You have to wash your hand. He said no. He said he's not a moshiach. <laughs> that was enough for him. <laughs> if he's not a hundred percent, what needs to be done for sure is not a is not a prophet. But number two, something more tangible than that, he has to make three miracles. He has to predict the future. Not make miracles, predict the future. And if it's happening exactly the way he said, exactly, not 99%, 100% that we know is a true prophet. He has to predict three good things will happen. If the good things happen exactly the way he said, then you know he's speaking in the name of God. If bad things happen, if he predicted something bad and it didn't happen, it doesn't mean that he's a false prophet because God can change from bad to good. 
But from good to bad, after God, after the prophet says it, God will not change it. Then he has to predict, and then we know if he's a true prophet. By the way, that was a part of Moses' fear. He was afraid <coughs> the Jews will not, will not believe him, right? The Jews had a, had a tradition, according to the Medrash, the, the Jews had a tradition that when somebody will come and will say, Pakot Pakadati, I will, I will redeem you. With this word, they will know that he's the right, the right redeemer. And the interesting part was when, they came, when Moses, after all this complaining that the Jews will not believe him, when he actually came to the Jews, what happened? No? Who remembers? What was the reaction of the Jews? Was it just what we read that they, they weren't listening? Or are you saying the first time? Page 45. And the first time he came to the Jews. He said they want, the whole conversation between God and, the, and Moses is not about Pharaoh not believing me. It's about the Jews not believing him. Ten times Moses says it in between. Then he, they actually came. You want to read? Um, 45 number 30. Aaron spoke all the words that Hashem had spoken to Moshe, and he demonstrated the miraculous signs in the eyes, sight of the people. Mm -hmm. The people believed when they heard that Hashem was mindful of Bnei Israel and that he had seen their suffering, they bowed their heads and prostrated themselves. The people believed. Nobody asked him who says, who sent you, what was his name. Well, what is this? The people believed. They actually, the Jewish people believed they didn't ask any question because they knew that this is the right person. There's the whole story with the Medrash, with Sarah, the daughter of Asher. And there is another place in the Bible that Moses said, in, in, in one little bit, they're going to stone me. They never, God told them, go. Nobody touched them. God said, why are you speaking Loshonara on my children? The whole talking with the putting his hand and turning into, into uh, leprosy was because it's a sign that he speaks Loshonara on the children of Israel that they will not believe him. They will believe you. They just believe God and believe Moses. Mm -hmm.